0: Hey guys, welcome back to Financial Flex with Likes, where we change the way we talk about money. <sighs> guys, this has been an interesting few weeks. I'm sure many of you are practicing social distancing, hopefully not hoarding toilet paper, and just trying to work from home if you're able to this is my second week strictly working from home last week was a little rough for me to be honest um i was literally by myself and i was going kind of crazy without any human interaction um i'd like to say that i'm an introvert so i don't really mind being by myself but after the third or fourth day i was kind of like okay i need to like go talk to someone or do something otherwise i'm just gonna sit in this apartment and get super sad um But this week, John's back home, so it's been a little bit better to have him at home with me. Um, So that's always good. Just a little update on our student loans. So we've decided to push pause on any extra student loan payments and we'll be redirecting that money towards our savings instead. Uh, John's industry, which is in the airline travel industry, it's been severely impacted, as I'm sure you guys have all, you know, heard. So we aren't panicking, Um, we're just taking everything day by day and just trying to, you know, pivot where we need to pivot, but we're not worrying. I'm also sure that you guys have heard about um, Trump declaring a state of emergency and waiving interest on student loans. He did that on March 13th. So for today's Two-Cent Tuesday, I'll be explaining everything you need to know about this new student loan structure in under five minutes. On March 13th, Trump declared a state of emergency due to the coronavirus and stated that interest on federal student loans would be waived. The interest waiver doesn't include private loans, which are um, loans owned by banks or other financial institutions, It's just for federal, direct, and Stafford loans. This waiver is automatically applied so you don't have to call and speak to anyone to put this into effect. So what about if you've lost your job during this time and can't afford to make a loan payment? Well, that's where forbearance comes into play. Forbearance is a temporary stop in payment. It's projected to last until May 12th and then be reassessed. So every 60 days, I believe, it will be reassessed according to an article that I read on thebalance.com. So if your loans are already in forbearance, meaning that they've become more than 30 days past due, the 60 days forbearance will automatically be applied. No interest will be accruing during this time either. If your loans aren't already in forbearance and you're needing, you know, temporary halting of the payments, I would definitely call your student loan provider to, you know, put that into place because you do have to call them and, and, and let them know. So if you happen to be on the PSLF plan, which is the Public Service Loan Forgiveness Plan, be sure to double check with your employer about your um, work status during this time. If you're full-time or if you've been now uh, downgraded to uh, part-time just because if any payments made during this time um, and if you're not at a full-time working status if you've been dropped down to part-time those payments won't count so definitely check with your employer to make sure that you're aware of your status well Time is up, and that's all for this week's Two Cent Tuesdays. My sources came from TheBalance.com and My Great Lakes. I do just want to say, be sure to do your own research when it comes to your student loans. Um, You can always call your student loan provider just to get more information. So today's podcast will actually be a rerun of an old conversation, but a very relevant one. With everything going on in regards to the stock market, I thought that it would be great to rerun my conversation with Mabel from Girls on the Money about the stock market um, and investing just to give those of you who have money in the stock market and, you know, you're watching everything that's going on just so you have a little bit of comfort and a little bit of peace of mind that even though things seem awful right now, but they will get better. Hey everyone, welcome back to Financial Flex with Lex. Or maybe I should just start saying with me, or Financial Flex. I don't know, you guys let me know. What should I start saying in my intros? On today's episode, we have Mabel Nunez, founder and chief investment officer of Girls on the Money, a stock market investing education company targeted towards women, minorities, and individuals that are underrepresented in the world of investing. She's super passionate about stock market education, helping women feel more confident about money matters, and empowering them to take action. She actually got her first crash course in investing her money a few months before the financial crisis in 08. Yeah. On today's episode, we discuss all things investing, how much you actually need to start investing, where to invest, and even how to combat your investing fears. I really hope that you guys enjoy this episode. If so, please leave a five-star rating and review. All right, let's get into today's episode.
1: My name is Mabel Nunez, and I am the founder of a company called Girls and the Money. And essentially, the mission of my company is to teach stock market investing to women, minorities, or people that are not typically exposed to the world of stocks and investing. So my mission is just to educate them so that they can get you know excited and motivated to get started and kind of let go of that fear that with the stock market. And I do that through my books that I've written, my courses, workshops, guides, one-on-one coaching um, services and different stuff like that. So that's essentially what I do and the mission of, of my company.
0: Awesome. Um, so if you don't mind, can you kind of explain how you got into the stock mar- into the stock market and into investing? I know that you were introduced to the stock market back in college, but it took you a little while to really start investing. Yes, yeah, yeah, so
1: um, yeah, so you know kind of my history a little bit. So yeah, so I didn't know anything about the stock market or investing. At all. Like, I didn't even know it existed until my senior year of college when I took a, a class, uh, I took a finance course about stocks. Um, and this just opened up a, a brand new world to me. So I was just shocked. Um, pretty much just to back it up a little bit, the way my professor explained the stock market is that anybody in this you know, in the U.S. or anywhere with some money on the side could be a, a part owner of these major corporations that we all know and, and, and that we all, you know, buy their products and services so that we could be a part owner of this company. So that kind of, you know, shocked me. And I was like, you know, why isn't everybody doing this? So I kind of became obsessed from that moment on. Um, and by obsessed, I mean, I started to read books about it. I started to go online and find articles about it. And I really wanted to get started, but even with, I had a finance degree, and even with my passion and, and, and wanting to do it, I was still very fearful of the stock market, so I didn't start investing until about three years after that class. So in the meantime, I was just, I was just intrigued about it, um, but it wasn't until somebody that I knew kind of sat me down and walked me through the process that I actually started to invest, and that happened a few years down the line.
0: Wow. So, yeah, yeah I find that really interesting that, you know, even though yeah. you um, heard about it, it still took you a couple of years because I feel like the stock market is something that, like, a lot of people don't know much about. So there, so there definitely is that, that fear component sometimes, um, especially yeah. when you're investing with your own money. Girls on the money, like, they're, like your motto is kind of um, live frugally, save abundantly, and um, invest. So... How can people do that with, you know, student loans, people owe like tens of thousands of dollars, and then, you know, you have wages that aren't really rising along with like the cost of living, and so people really feel strapped for cash. How can people live below their means, still save, and then not feel like, you know, their life is just awful? (laughs)
1: <laughs> no, yeah, I understand. Yeah, I know there's uh, a, a big issue with, you know, people not thinking that they don't have enough money to save and start investing um, and take care of their bills and stuff like that. But to be honest, and I have a personal opinion about this situation, is that, okay, there is a, a certain amount of people that, yes, they may, that maybe they're making the minimum wage. They have very serious, crazy expenses. Maybe they have uh, responsibilities with their families that don't, don't allow them to do a lot and, you know, the loans and stuff like that. But to be quite honest, I feel there's a majority of people that do make enough money, um, and the issue is not necessarily how much they're making, but how they're managing their money. So, for example, they could be making—you know—they may have a good job and they're making good money, but they have a car payment that's $500. They're paying thousands of dollars in rent. They're going to brunch every weekend. They're spending money left and right. And then at the end of the day, they're thinking, oh, I don't have enough to save and invest, so, you know, I'm going to do it, you know, in five or ten years when I'm settled down and maybe at that point I'll have something to save. So I think for the majority of people, and that's a very personal opinion of mine, it's not that they don't have enough. So it's just a matter of sitting down and really looking at your expenses, where is your money really going, um, whatever you're making every month. Um, and, and, and just be honest, is it going to things that you value? Like, do you really want to be paying $500, $400 a month in a car or, or, you know, stuff like that that you don't really need? Um, people might argue, yeah, I need to drive to work, but do you really need an expensive vehicle? Can you buy something affordable that's good for you and you can, it could can just take you to work and back? You know, stuff like that or, you know, bringing, you know, not spending money on lunch every single day, and the reason why I feel this way is, is that I personally went through that. When I first got out of college, I was making less, about thirty-seven thousand dollars a year. So in comparison to my friends, I was making a lot less. Like I have friends that were making fifty thousand, sixty thousand. Meanwhile, you know, and I and I still had a, an apartment and and I had bills to pay, but I lived very frugally. Um, I didn't have anything um, over-the-top expenses because I had a mission, a personal mission of saving my money to eventually invest it. So it's just a matter of your priorities and where your money really is going. Um, So, you know, like I said at the beginning, I don't want to knock the people that do have, you know, expenses that are over-the-top and they're still being frugal and they still can make ends meet. I'm talking about what I feel is the majority of people that do, can do it, but they don't—they don't know where their money is really going every month.
0: Mm-hmm. So, no, that definitely—that yeah. definitely makes sense. Yeah. What are three things that you think every person should know before they start investing?
1: Okay, so I guess the first thing they should know is that, and, and I think this is something that maybe people don't realize is that if you work at a, at a job that offers you a 401k or some type, some kind of retirement plan and you're participating in that plan, you're already investing. When your money is in a 401k or some kind of plan like that, you are already investing. So, you know, feel if you are one of those people, feel good about that. And if you're not, then start participating because it's a great way to, to get your foot in the door without having to figure out how to do it on your own kind of thing. Right? However, another thing you should understand is that if you have credit card debt in the double digits with high interest rates, I would recommend uh, that person invest in getting rid of that first and foremost because the truth of the matter is, yeah, you can make good money in the stock market, typically in the long term, but even if you make good money in the short term, your the interest rate on your credit cards and your debt is gonna be expiring, expiring out of control on the, on the side if you're not taking care of that. So even if you make good money in the market, whatever money you're making is probably going to be negated by the fact that you have debt sitting on the side going out of control. So mm-hmm. I would recommend investing in getting rid of that. And once you invest in eliminating that from your life, and I'm talking about credit card, and we can talk about student loans um, separately because I feel separately about that, but I'm talking specifically about consumer debt. This is my third tip I would say to invest.
0: Aside from, you know, contributing to your employer's um, uh, your employer's retirement plan. Are there "quote unquote" like low cost ways to start investing in the market? Like, do you always have to save up, you know, a thousand dollars to start investing, or can I just, you know, I have ten bucks. That's all I have. Can I start investing with ten dollars? I love
1: this question, especially in this day and age. Uh, twenty. I was going to say twenty twenty. Twenty twenty. We have so. There's never been an easier better time to be an investor and yes it might sound silly that you know that you said okay can I invest with $10 yes the answer is yes so um, the way it works is that in this day and age there are uh, most investment accounts that you can open on your own will allow you to just yes, open the account deposit whatever it is that you can afford meaning they don't have any account minimum so if all you have is 50 bucks whatever $20 $10 whatever you can open the account deposit that amount um, and then, um, obviously, like to be realistic, you're gonna have to build up from the ten dollars. Like, you cannot just start. You you could, but it would be it would be better if you just you know open it with a ten bucks, but just continue to add money to it as much, as much as you can, until so you reach like a good amount, like five hundred or something like that, just so that you can actually buy, um, you know, things like ETFs. And if you, if you want me to explain what that means, I can. Yes. Can you ETFs? please? So just quickly. So. Um, most of your audience probably knows what it is to invest in a stock. So when you invest in a stock, you're just buying shares of a specific company. Like if you like Amazon, if you like Apple, if you like Nike, if you're buying stock in this company, you're just buying stock in those specific companies. When it comes to ETFs, which is another type of investment that I love, because the way ETFs work is that they're like a basket. So let's say that, um, you like, like I said, you like the companies that I just listed, um, Amazon, Nike, maybe Microsoft, like major, I'm talking about major, major companies. There are ETFs that will allow you to, um, you know, buy pieces of all those companies in one basket. So an ETF can cost you maybe $200, $250, and it includes pieces of all those major companies. So you're automatically investing in major corporations without having to buy individual individual shares because, you know, individual shares will cost you, you know, $500, maybe $300, maybe, um, I don't know, it, it, it can be very expensive and you, you're just investing in one single company. But when you invest in an ETF, you're investing, like, in a package. Mm-hmm. So that's why I love those kinds of investments as well. And, you know, you want to have at least, like, the average ETF will cost you anywhere from, like, $250. Some of them are even less, maybe 200 maybe 150 So you want to have a few hundred dollars in your investment account so you can buy something meaningful, Um, But you can definitely add those $10 that you said at the beginning and just build your way up from there um, until you have a a few hundred so you can get, you know, buy something that that will actually generate some investment income
0: for you. Got it. The key would just be to, after you invest that $10 or $20, make sure Mm -hmm. to either save up a lump sum that you can put in that account or continuously put money in that account. Don't just stop at that $10.
1: Exactly. Yes. My thought process is that as you save to invest, you're at least getting some interest on that on those savings. Because if you, for example, if you open an investment account, which you can definitely do and then put those ten dollars in there, the ten dollars are gonna be sitting there gaining no interest. So whatever money that you have in there has to be invested. It has to be working for you. Otherwise it's just gonna sit there. But if, if you're someone that's listening to this, to this and is saying, okay, I just want to open my investment account, I, I want to deposit those ten dollars and continue to add, add money to it every every two weeks, every month, uh, you can do that. You can definitely do that. Just keep in mind that on, on until that money starts to get invested, you won't be getting any interest in the meantime. So that's the only reason why I you know I, I offer the alternative of starting out with the savings and then pressing transferring it over to the investment
0: account. Yeah, that definitely that definitely makes sense. Thank you for uh, elaborating mm-hmm. on that. So what are your thoughts on, you know, strictly strictly investing with just apps? So I know there's companies like Stash, companies like LVEST that allow you, that kind of automate investing in a way. So they do it in a way where like you almost don't even have to necessarily think about that. Um, what are your thoughts? Just like there's
1: definitely different investment account companies out there in this day and age there's like new ones coming out every single day like I was just scrolling through Instagram the other day and I saw a new one I'm like oh my god there's so many options (laughs) so you just have to understand yeah it it can get a little crazy sometimes but you just have to understand how these accounts work so if you're somebody that wants to be hands off, meaning that okay, you wanna start investing but you don't wanna you don't have the time, the motivation, the the excitement to do your own research and, and you know, find stuff that you like and stuff like that. If you don't wanna spend time doing that, then hands off accounts like the one you mentioned, like LVEP or I think that uh, it kind of works that way, I can't really remember. Um, yeah, so you can just deposit whatever you know the money that you have um, available, and they'll invest it for you. Something to know is that they, they will, will not invest it in stocks or anything like that. Most of these accounts will invest your money in funds, something similar to ETFs, but it's like it's, it's more like index funds and funds that include different kinds of investments. So it won't be stocks that they that you'll be investing in. You're gonna be investing in just funds when you, when you put your money in this hands off what I like to call hands-off accounts, where you don't have to do anything other than fill out an application, deposit your money, and let them do the work for you. And then there's like a whole other side of investment platforms, which is the ones that are more hands-on, where you uh, pretty much open the account, deposit the money, and you select your ETF, you select your stock, you have full control over those accounts. So you just have to decide what kind of investor you want to be, you know, starting out? Do you want them to do the work for you or do you want to do it on your own? So that's, that's some that's an important question to ask yourself when you first get started. And mm-hmm. that can change with time. Like maybe later on you decide, hey, I want to buy my own stuff. Let me open this separate account and buy stuff on my own. Um, but to start with, you want to ask yourself what you know which way you want to go.
0: Does it pay to take, to be more risky or does slow and steady win the race? So, um... In the end, which does it pay off to be?
1: Personally, I love the idea of flow and steady wins the race. And it's it's something that I have learned for, you know, I've been investing for 11 years. And that's something that I have learned over and over again as time has gone by. Um, Something that that scares me from people that are not not yet investing but want to invest is that Some people might have the mentality that putting your money in the stock market means you're going to make money overnight and you're going to be rich overnight and, like, let me find the thing that's going to make me the most money faster. And that's a very easy way to fall into scams, to fall into very risky investments that won't make you any money. So you want to be very, very careful with that. Um, To me, real investing that really makes you money over time means you're putting um, your money in companies that are high-quality that, you know, have a, a healthy track record, companies that you know very well and that you understand how the company makes money, um, and, and also, like, in a similar, similar way, buying ETFs that contain those types of companies, and then you let that be. You let that grow and compound over time. If you decide that you just want to make quick money and that let me see what my uncle or my coworker tells me to buy because they're telling me that I'm going to make thousands of dollars in six months, that's a very easy way to lose your money, get discouraged from the stock market, and just, you know, make that decision. So you want to be very strategic with how you allocate your money for investing purposes. You know, we work hard for our money. We want to make sure that either we're saving it and it's safe or we're putting it to work and investing in things that are actually going to make us money. If you go into investing with the mentality of, I'm going to buy quality stocks, quality ETFs, and I'm going to let that, those investments do their thing, and I'm going to leave them alone for 3, 5, 10 years, you're really going to see what real profits are all about and what real investing is all about. Um, you cannot go in with the idea of um, becoming rich overnight. What
0: about fads? Like, I know Bitcoin is, like, you know, like, last year became, like, a really popular thing for people to, like, invest in. So what about, you know, these, like, kind of, like, fast fads that come in and everyone gets super excited about? Um, Are they worth investing, or should, or should like, is sticking to basics the best way to go?
1: Do not put your money in the latest fad, the latest (laughs) excitement, the latest whatever. (laughs) Like, I've seen... You know, people put thousands of dollars in this, the, the latest thing, and then a couple of months down the line, or maybe like a few months down the line, they're like, oh, I, I already lost like 50% of my money. Like, why did I even do that? So the way, for me personally, what has worked for me as an investor is to be boring. Like, and what I mean by boring is I'm buying really good companies that have been around for many years that, are, that, are, that have a solid track record or companies that I feel that are promising and, and are changing our, our world for the better. Um, maybe, you know, tech companies like leaders in the tech industry or leaders in their industry, period. I really like buying stuff in companies that I consider to be leaders um, and that are well-known, brands that are well-known. That's what I go with. Um, whenever I hear about this weird business that nobody has, has heard of, but, you know, promises the world to people, I'm already skeptical, mm-hmm. Um same thing with Bitcoin. When that thing came out, I, w- I was just like, oh, my God, how do I warn people about stuff like this? It- it's very um, – it's like if you're doing – if you're putting your money in that, think of it as you're going to Vegas, you're gambling in a gambling table. That is not investing to me. That's more like let me put some money in this thing for fun and see what happens. If I lose my $100 or my $1,000, I don't care because I'm just playing around. But if you're somebody that's really serious about, okay, I want to buy – real stuff good stuff you're not going to put your money in stuff like that so my my word of advice is if you start whether it's bitcoin or any other fad that will that will probably come in the next few months or whatever i'm sure that that never ends be very skeptical of fads, and i would focus more on the basics or in the you know in the i don't know the more traditional kinds of investments i guess for lack of a better term i'm more of a traditional investor as opposed to following the latest thing that comes out
0: got it no that definitely makes sense and i love the analogy Mm -hmm. that you used as far as like you're basically just like taking a gamble on your on your money like Mm -hmm. if you lose the money Mm -hmm. no big deal if you if you win some money back that's awesome so no i i like that um that analogy do you think that it's better to be debt free before you start investing? I know there are there are some like uh, financial gurus like Dave Ramsey, for example. He'll tell people to stop contributing to their 401k while they're getting out of debt because you want all of the money you can get to put towards your debt. So I just wanted to ask you, um, do you think that it's better to be debt free before you start investing or um should you even start, should you start investing even while you still have like, you know, student loans?
1: I put student loans versus consumer debt in two completely different categories. So I would recommend, um, before you start investing, focus on the credit card debt. If you have, if you know, somebody listening to this, if you have credit card debt and it's out of control, Focus on grading risk of that. But when it comes to student loans, I am in the, I'm in the camp that believes you can start investing while you still have student loans on the side. Because the thing with student loans is that some people have, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars that, let's say that you are in your 20s and you say, okay, I'm going to wait to I start investing when I pay off these loans. By the time you pay off those loans, maybe you'll be in your mid thirties. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to you don't wanna give up, you know, a decade worth of investment income because you were paying off your student loan. So basically when I started investing, I did make sure that I didn't have any credit card debt, but I still had student loans there. And over time my student loans got paid off. You know, I I got into a program where I had like a fixed payment every month and I was just paying that and just worrying about paying my monthly Monthly payment, and then on the whatever money I had um, aside from that, I would save it and invest it. So you just want to make sure that you're taking care of the student loans by being responsible. Obviously, you don't want to miss your payments. You want to make sure that every month, whatever it is that you're scheduled to pay, you're paying it. If you need to get on a, a you know income-based repayment program, you do that. Um, but I wouldn't recommend waiting to all of the student loans are paid off to start investing because you're going to miss out on a, a lot of time. That you have been you have been generating a nice you know nice investment income as opposed to you know just putting everything on your student loans. One of the best financial decisions that I did when I first started working, you know, was you know opening an account with my employer, and that has been one of the best decisions I've ever made. So I would, and I and I still have student loans. So you know, you just want to find a balance where you're um, you're taking care of those loans and you're still. Finding some money to invest. Don't you know? I wouldn't just throw everything you have for years and years and years into your student loans, and then at the end of the day, you're like, you know, there's 10, 20 years down the line, and then you're just starting investing at that point. And that's like, wait, you know, that's a long time to wait to start mm-hmm. investing. So <laughs> that's how I feel about that.
0: So I've been hearing, personally, some talks about like a recession. Like you know, people are saying a recession's coming. A recession's coming. Gotta be prepared for when the recession comes, right? So. Mm-hmm. Should people still invest or is it better just to kind of put all your money in like a savings account and um, for like a potential rainy day?
1: I've been hearing about <laughs> to be honest, I've been hearing about a recession coming for the past 10 years. Like I'm not I'm not kidding. So I started to invest um, there's going to be um, an interesting story, the fact that I started to invest about three months before the financial crisis, that, you know, 2008. So I, started, my, I bought my, my first stock ever in the summer of 2008. And three months later, the market just crashed, like the, the most horrible crash we've seen in, in years. Um, and that just made me more excited about the stock market. As opposed to getting discouraged, I was just more excited because, oh, my God, like I decided to invest. Now all these stocks are on sale. All these investments are on sale. I can just buy you know things that I always wanted to buy at much much cheaper. So the way I look at it is this: Um, if you start investing and the market crashes, see it as an awesome like blessing because guess what? Now you can buy amazing stocks, amazing ETFs, amazing index funds at like you know at a deep discount. If you start investing and the market continues to go up, then awesome because, okay, you start investing and now your investments are growing. Mm-hmm. So you don't really lose either way, to be completely honest. And I say this from experience because I've lived through the financial crisis. I started investing before the financial crisis, so I, I know how it feels to start investing and the market crashing. And I also know how it feels to start investing and that things go up and up and up and up, you know, for years, which is ha- what has happened for the past 10 years. So you don't want to be sitting on the sidelines waiting to see if a recession happens, scared about the recession, because guess what? Nobody in this planet knows when it will happen. It might happen next month. It might happen in 10 years. It might happen in five years. Nobody knows. And if you're sitting on the sideline waiting around, you might miss out on a lot of, you know, you might miss out on, first of all, learning to invest and having that experience of understanding how the stock market works and kind of like, growing and learning from that and you might miss out on profits that you can actually make as you get started So you don't want to be sitting there doing nothing because of fear um, i do recommend saving your money to invest in it in and you know um just get educated on how different investments work make so, so that you can make educated decisions and that's you know that's why i teach my courses to teach people how to make educated decisions Um, but you, you know, you don't want to be sitting there, uh, doing nothing. I would not recommend that, um, because nobody knows what's going to happen tomorrow or next month or next year. So,
0: right. So you can't, so you can't live in fear. Just got to go for it.
1: Yes, exactly. (laughs) Just make sure that you're making, you know, decisions that you feel good about, but yeah, just get started. Like the the best time is now, you know, you can't be wasting time. (laughs) So.
0: Definitely. Mm-hmm. So um, you mentioned fear. How can people over, mm-hmm. overcome their fear of investing in the stock market?
1: You don't have to go crazy with, when you first start. So you can start small. Um, I, I have three three tips for this. So first of all, start small, you know, with a small amount of money. Make sure that you, that you, you do your research in terms of where your money is going to be invested. And and number three, just, you know, only invest in in, in the case of stocks, um, only invest in companies that you know very well, that you maybe you, maybe you use their products and services, um, that you believe will be around for many years to come. Um, just be strategic about those kinds of things. Watch how your investments do. You know, maybe one day they're, oh, maybe you made $5 one day. Maybe the next day it's down $5. Uh, that's just how the market works in the short term. You're going to see ups and downs every single day. What matters is how your investments do over time. So when you first start investing, um, you're, going to, you're going to notice this. You're going to see the fluctuations. And that's how investment, investing works, so that get, get get used to that. Um, and I always say that when investing, either you learn really good lessons. If, if, you, if you invest in companies that don't do very well, you're going to learn really good lessons. Or you're going to make a lot of money. Maybe you're going to take companies that actually do really well and that you're going to feel really good because you invested in things that make you a lot of money. So either you're learning lessons or you're making money. So there's really nothing to fear. It's just, um, I would say just start small. Buy what you know. Buy what you feel comfortable with. Do not start your investing journey by buying things that somebody told you to buy because they told you, told you you're going to make thousands of dollars that's an easy way, like I said earlier, to get very discouraged because nine times out of ten, you're probably going to lose your money or it's going to go down 50% or something crazy like that. So just make your own decisions by doing your own research um, and just do it with a small amount of money so that you can start feeling comfortable. Do not put thousands of dollars in your account to start with because you don't want to invest, you know, thousands of dollars when you first getting started. Um, But just start slow and steady and as you continue to – invest as, as you continue to watch your account and see how it does you're gonna feel more comfortable and more confident and you're gonna start you know adding more money to it and buying different types of investments and just going growing it from there but the point is to you know start somewhere and you learn as you go
0: love it so I do mm-hmm. I do have a listener question here um, mm-hmm. they asked when investing in stock is it better to do so with a stock broker or on your own? Mm-hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, my, I'm a little biased about this question because I am, I've been investing on my own for all these years. So it's something that I, I've never hired a a stockbroker. I never went to a bank and told them to invest for me. I actually think that I, I'm actually scared of doing something like that because I feel like not all banks or not all investment advisors at, at banks do this, but a lot of them get money, get commission from what they tell you to buy. So they might tell you to buy, oh, buy these funds and whatever. And maybe in the back end, they're making a commission out of it. So that freaks me out. Um, So you want to be very careful from who you're getting advice from. Like, how how are they benefiting from telling you what to buy? So you want to be, you know, skeptical and cautious with that type of thing. Also, stockbrokers or whatever, that's kind of like an old school mentality. Like, nobody really goes, as, as far as I know, it's very rare for somebody to pay, like, hundreds of dollars to somebody to, like, make investment decisions for them? Because, like I, we spoke about earlier, there's so many options nowadays of, you know, different platforms, different investment accounts. Do you want to be, to, to the listener that asked this question, um, I would ask, ask yourself, do you want to be somebody that hands-off? Do you want somebody else to take care of your investments? In, some, in those cases, I would definitely go with the companies that we talked about, like Betterman or Wealthfront or Elves those companies will do the investing for you. Just know that you're not investing in stocks. You don't have control over where your money is being invested. Then you're doing it for you. But if you want to be more hands-on, maybe you want to start practicing the stock market, and maybe you, want to, maybe you like companies, you maybe there's companies that you really like, and you want to buy some stocks in them, which is what excites me. That I, That's like my passion. Um, then, yeah, that's an amazing uh, thing to start working towards. Um, and, and know that you can do that on your own by opening an investment account with any company, really, like Ali Invest, TD Ameritrade, Schwab. There's many, many, many online brokers out there that you can open on your own, and um, put some money in there, buy stuff in companies that you like, and see how you feel and see how it goes. Um, but you definitely don't need to hire. In this day and age, um, the cost of investing has dropped so much that you know there's no need.
0: To go find a broker. And so, yeah, uh, cool. as we get to the end of our conversation, I do just um, want to talk to you about Girls on the Money. Um, can you go over a few of the resources that you guys provide and how people can get connected with you online?
1: Okay, cool. Thank you. So, yeah, so we, like I said at the beginning, we uh, teach courses on investing. So, like I, I said many times, it is important that you understand how to make educated investing decisions because, you know, opening an investment account and putting money on it and trying to figure out what to buy can be a little challenging if you don't if you don't know what metrics to look into um, to make sure that you're making a good decision of buying stock or, or ETFs in, in stuff that, that are going to make you money. So we teach a class on stock investing where it's a five-week course where we teach you everything that you need to know about analyzing stocks and making educated decisions about stocks. There's also a class about ETFs and index funds. Same thing, teaching you how to identify strong ETFs or very strong, high-quality index funds and how to go about that. Um, there's other classes, but those are the two main ones that I would recommend looking into first. Um, in addition to the courses, uh, we have books. So there's I have two books on Amazon. If you put my name, May uh, Nunez, those should come up. But, but one of them is Stock Market uh, Mini Lessons for Beginners, and the most the most recent book is Stock Analysis One and One, and those uh, kind of walk you through understanding how the stock market works and how you know how you can get started with investing. Um, the stock analysis one-on-one book teaches you how to analyze stocks, so that's a good one to read if you're considering going into stock investing. Um, yeah, and besides that, we you know we teach workshops. If, if your audience is on Instagram, they can find me at, at Girls on the Money on Instagram or. If they have any questions about anything that I talked about, my email is hello at girlsandthemoney.com. And any questions that your audience might have, I'll be more than happy to answer them, so they can find me there as well.